Welcome to Heart Health Radio with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefall. Heart Health Radio, Heart Health Radio, oh, 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 hearthealthradio.com, Heart Health Radio. Heart Health Radio is meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action, talk to your doctor. This is Heart Health Radio. I'm Dave Alexander. He is Dr. Franklin Weefald. And uh, happy Heart Month to you. It is a great month. February, it's cold. Yeah. But there's also Valentine's Day. And I bet you that's why they decided to have heart February as Heart Month. You know, I, could, I had an, a vision the other day of you with a Valentine's Day card with a black Sharpie in your hand adding the aorta. Uh, and the other yeah, and <laughs> drawn in the valves. <laughs> but you know why a heart looks like a heart? That's really how your heart looks. Is it? Well, it's the the top part. <laughs> okay, so you know you have this heart-shaped heart. Sure. The reason why it's so high at the top, like Mickey Mouse ears, sure. those are called the atrial appendages. Of course they are. And they just sit there. They're an appendage. Yeah. yeah and nobody really knows what they do. Some people think it has to do with the electricity, that it keeps the electricity going in an even way. I don't know. I'm like, okay. but the tip? Sure. That's what the heart looks like. It's really? got a tip. Yeah, where the right ventricle and the left ventricle meet, it's a tip. Yeah. So if you think, oh, the heart, why do they make it look that way? Because it's pretty much a accurate, an accurate representation of what the heart looks like. And if you sent a Valentine's card with the extra pieces, you know, the the arteries, and, right, right. They I would bet look you weird. They, I bet you they make those. Now, I'm sure Wake they Med do. had a commercial. Yeah. Um, gosh, it was maybe five or six years ago. It was really good. Yeah. They had a cartoon heart that uh-huh. looked like a heart, and coming out of the top of his head, you know, the eyes were there, Yeah. was an aorta. Oh, yeah. So they did it right. I mean, they made it look like a real heart with an aorta. We're going to talk about a couple of things. We're going to talk about cardiac health. Uh, coincidentally, we have a cardiac patient and a cardiologist in studio. Uh, we're going to talk about the Pfizer vaccine. Uh, apparently, it's effective against it's re- one. It's really getting better, and yeah. you know, I bet the Moderna will show this too. Yeah, but you ain't got to put it eighty degrees minus eighty degrees anymore. Right, and the first dose is ninety-two percent effective. Wow, the second dose makes it. Ninety-four yeah. percent effective. Oh, hardly worth so showing up. So after you get the, and I bet you Moderna is going to be the same. I can't tell you that for sure. I got the yeah. Moderna. Yeah. Did you get the Moderna? Moderna, yeah. Yeah, and so this is great news because now they'll be able to ship this to doctors' offices at a regular refrigerated temperature. Yeah. Or is it free? No, regular freezer temperature. Yeah, regular is, freezer. Yeah. What's your freezer? Thirty? No. What is a freezer at? Freezer is lower than 32. Yeah, because of freezer. Yeah. But anyway, that's good this is news. This is like a few degrees off of zero. Yeah. I, and I don't know which direction, if but it's, know it's cold. what a temperature of freezer is called. But they're going to well, be No, no, no. Sunday. This is the, the, the temperature. I, I looked it up yeah. for, the, for this, for the vaccine. They believe that it'll yeah. be a couple of degrees near zero, which essentially means... Commercial freezers yeah. will work for it. Now, I want to so. let everybody know Walmart and now Walmart is coming, but yeah. uh, CVS yeah. 
and Walgreens. I always get Walgreens and Walmart. When I try to say one or the other, I say the wrong thing. They both have the virus. I mean, the vaccine. <laughs> Boy, we're really doing good this morning. <laughs> they both have the vaccine, and I'm getting patients to call and make good. an appointment. You have to have an appointment. Good. Now, at the end of the day, like 5 o'clock, 4 sure. o'clock, you might walk up there. If you haven't, they'll get an appointment. Oh, here's yeah. why. They don't want to throw away the extra doses. There are a lot of people who don't show. Yep. Okay. So what happens at 2 o'clock if somebody doesn't show, then they give them the no-shows. Yeah. So it builds up. And I've had a couple patients walk in there toward the close of day, and they've gotten their vaccine without an appointment. Yeah. Because they don't want to throw away the doses. And it's perfectly good. It's not like the scratch-and-dent food that you get at Walmart. Right. And, but let me tell you something. Yeah, All you that? people out there. Yeah. When you make an appointment, please go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not like, you know, your doctor, <laughs> no-show city. When it's cold and it rains, Yeah. I guarantee an easy day. Really? Yeah, they don't show. They don't show. Yeah. Jackson from Raleigh, welcome to Heart Health Radio. How you doing? Okay. Good. What's up? I was just asking the doctor, I wonder how the blood pressure affects your eyesight. All right. Blood pressure affects what? Say that again. Prostate. I don't know that there's a direct interaction, but I will tell you this. If you have high blood pressure, you have what's called inflammation. And we don't exactly know why, but when your blood pressure is high and it's not controlled, your body is inflamed. So you're irritating your tissues through the cytokines. That's the messengers between the immune cells. So your arteries get inflamed. You can have heart attacks because that's how your um, cholesterol plaques break open and they cause clots, and you have more clots when you're inflamed. Right. They think that prostate cancer has to do with inflammation. Everybody develops over time an enlarged prostate. Some people with family histories or they're exposed to certain toxins will develop prostate um, inflammation. And that can be a reason, if you have uncontrolled hypertension, that you can get um, prostate cancer more easily. Jackson, what is your concern? Have you been diagnosed with one or the other? Yeah, I I, uh, went to my eye doctor and I told him my eye doctor was, uh, my eyesight was kind of deteriorating. Yes. And... uh, they checked me out, and they said uh, it was because of my blood pressure it was deteriorating. All right, well, hold on just a moment, because I didn't hear you correctly. You did not ask about prostate and blood pressure. You asked about eyesight and blood pressure. Eyesight okay. and blood pressure. Let me just oh, tell you, Jackson, okay. I've gone through this myself. Yeah, but the problem the problem is I have high-frequency hearing loss. So he's he's not hearing correctly. Said. I don't hear Jackson, well. he's going to tell you now if there's a connection. Yeah, there is definitely a uh, connection between eyesight. Um, people who have high blood pressure tend to have glaucoma right. uh, at a higher incidence, not necessarily. But also the biggest reason is because when you have high blood pressure, like I just said about the prostate, Yeah. Um, there is inflammation, and what happens in your eye? There are little teeny-weeny arterioles. They are, arterioles are baby arteries, okay? They're not baby in the sense of being young, but they're small. Right. And so they get inflamed. You can get cholesterol buildup in the arteries in your eye, and not only that, um, they can cause eye strokes. And what's an eye stroke? It's when clots form on cholesterol buildup, Right. And block off the blood flow to your eye, not just the retina, but into all different parts of your eye. So it's definitely a risk to get 
eye problems. Now, the biggest problem, not just a stroke in your eye, you can bleed into the clear liquid that's between the cornea and the retina. And that's called a retinal hemorrhage or a, 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 globe, a globe hemorrhage. And that can be from high blood pressure, too, because the arteries can burst when your blood pressure is real high. Jackson, I don't want to go looking for trouble, but uh, is the doctor concerned at all about your blood sugar? Uh, well, my blood sugar is, is uh, kind of normal. It was high, but it's uh, kind of it's kind of normal. It runs around ninety to one hundred and ten. Right. My eye doctor wants to encourage everybody that if you have not had a look see, if you've got diabetes, if you think you're pre-diabetic. Go ahead and go to your regular doctor on a regular basis. Yeah, and there's two things that, that actually now the insurance company will check your chart. Yeah. And they want to know if you're taking care of a diabetic, have you had a regular eye exam scheduled for your patient every year? Yeah, good. And you know what the other thing is they want well, to do? is foot examinations. Yeah. Because believe it or not, even, you know, toe jam or yeah, no, know, no, no, I know. Uh, toenails. Sure. Uh, if you have an ingrown toenail, you can't feel it sometimes when you're diabetic. It can lead to infections. And what do infections do? They can make your feet fall off because in a diabetic, it's much harder. The other thing that the podiatrist looks for yeah. is whether there's adequate blood flow to your feet because right. your feet are the furthest thing away from your body, from your heart. They yeah. are. Yeah. And the feet are, can, are supplied by little teeny weeny blood vessels. So... I exam every year if you're diabetic, and I think if you're hypertensive, um, because hypertension can cause eye problems in the way I described. Right. One other eye problem that's really important that I didn't talk about is yeah. optic neuritis, and that's because when you have high blood pressure, you have inflammation. If your optic nerve, which carries the electrical signals from the retina to your brain, if that gets inflamed, mm -hmm. you're permanently blind, and there's no help for that. If you have a retinal problem, you get laser therapy. If you have a bleed in your eye, you can get laser therapy. But if you lose the optic nerve, that's, that's about that's it. That's it. Mm -hmm. That's it. Jackson, thank you very much for the phone call. Beverly in Raleigh, welcome to Heart Health Radio. How you doing? Hi, I'm doing fine. Um, I called in last week near the end of the program. Yes. And was ex just telling uh, the doctor about the GERD incident that I yeah. had had, and mm -hmm. he encouraged me to go to... Uh, a doctor and get it checked out, and I had a uh, just a scheduled uh, visit with my general practitioner this week, and she did an ECG on me and found out that it is uh, abnormal, uh, abnormal, and it is premature ventricular complexes. And yeah. I thought I would check with you to see what they how are, how serious that is. Yeah. I haven't gotten a chance to see a cardiologist yet. Well, you and I have the same thing. I have PVCs, and. Oh. I don't know why. Okay, so there are there's a good PVC. Well, there's a not so bad PVC, and there's a bad PVC. Okay. Okay, and so if you've had scarring to your heart, and that can even come from a lack of blood flow without a heart attack per se, the electricity around that scar um, is not functioning correctly. So when the electricity goes through your heart, it has to be in a smooth linear fashion. Now, it takes curly cues, but it travels down lines. If you've got a scar, it's got to go around the scar because yeah. the scar is dead tissue. It doesn't conduct electricity. Well, think about it. When it goes around, it can reactivate that part of the heart muscle. 
So what you have is a contraction of the muscle that's not normal. It doesn't come from the top, pause in the middle, and go down to the bottom. It just stays in the bottom and makes your heart contract. That contraction is not a good contraction because it's not in a preformed, regular way. It just blips. And so a lot of times the blood doesn't really flow out of your heart. Then the heart rests, more blood flows in, so the next beat is really strong. There's like 33 to 44% more blood coming out. And you feel it. It's like a woo in your upper chest. So I have a, right. I, I had a bunch of them. And mine are gone away. Well, mostly gone away. I do magnesium. I do potassium supplements. But I also take a beta blocker. Now, how does a beta blocker work? It seems to calm that area of the heart that is excitable and causing the extra beats. Now, in healthy people, you can have PVCs, and they come from the right ventricular outflow tract. And what does that mean? The right ventricle on the right side of your um, heart collects blood, pumps it to the lungs. In that area near where that's coming out of the heart muscle and where the tube is, there are lots of extra electrical connections. And we have those because in the olden days, parasites would sometimes hurt the electrical conduction. Yeah. Um, for example, what's a big one that does Lyme disease? Well, you had an extra one so you could have a backup. Uh-huh. Well, now that we're healthy, for the most part, no parasites, some of us get Lyme disease, those extra electrical connections say, hey, what about me? And they start to fire. Sure. And you can have a premature contraction from the right ventricular outflow tract. Not only that, you can have tachycardia from there. Sometimes it gets in there and just keeps going. So here's the bottom line. Yeah. You can have a bad PVC because you've got a weak heart and you've got a scar, or you can have a PVC that's just annoying, okay? Yeah. Right. Mine were annoying. I'm, I'm, I've had my checked out. Now, Dave talked earlier about there's one heart patient. No, there's two. I'm a heart patient. Okay. I've got a cholesterol, or I had a cholesterol blockage and the, the Widowmaker. I mean, it was only a minor one, but yeah. still, the minor ones can cause heart attacks. So naturally, when I started to get PVCs, I kind of panicked, and I went to my GP. I like that term, general practitioner. I hate, I don't like family doctor. General practitioner who set me up to have the appropriate test, and I got a stress test. I had a monitor. I was having a lot of PVCs. Well, the beta blocker really helped, and I had mildly high blood pressure, and the beta blocker helped that too. So you have PVCs. Now what you got to do is find out if they're bad PVCs or not so bad PVCs, in which case they can go away. Interestingly, I talk about potassium and magnesium. Mm -hmm. The electricity in your heart is dependent upon adequate levels of potassium and magnesium. So a lot of people take a supplement. You shouldn't do that if your kidneys are bad, like if you're on dialysis where they say your kidneys are weak because it can build up. The kidneys have to get rid of the magnesium you don't need. And if you don't have weak, if you have weak kidneys, you can't do that. So I had somebody that I was treating for PVCs. This is back in the day before I was really smart, like I am now. Okay, all right. And they said my PVCs have gone, even though I had them on a bunch of meds that didn't work. And I said, yeah. "What did you do?" And she said, "I started taking a magnesium supplement that my friend Ginny told me to take." Oh yeah. So the bottom line is, don't worry about your PVCs unless you get dizzy or you have a bunch of them in a row, that can be the PVC tachycardia, like just one PVC after another, after another, after another, right. that can be bad. So 
when you get checked out, I'm pretty sure they're going to do some tests on you. And one, they'll try to figure out how strong your heart is. That's with an ultrasound called an echocardiogram. They may do a stress test. I mean, women especially can have atypical symptoms, just feel fatigued. That's the number one. They say, Doctor, we thought I've been tired for a long time. And you don't really connect that tiredness with shortness of breath and chest discomfort. And then the other thing they do is put a monitor on you for a couple weeks or maybe just a couple days and see how many you're having. Are they coming from the same place? You can tell that. If they're coming from the same place, that's better than if they're coming from multiple places at at different times. So what you're going to do now is after you've been to your cardiologist and step-by-step, because they probably won't do everything the same day, call us back and let us know how you're doing and what the doc says. All right. I cannot get in for a month, so should I go ahead and start with some magnesium and potassium? Well, do you know what your kidney function is? I don't have any issues with my kidneys at all. Okay. Well, call your doctor and make sure he or she says it's okay. But that's not a bad idea if he or she says it's okay. Beverly, thank you. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Thanks for calling back. Take care. Well, the headline says it took a year, but Gwyneth Paltrow figured out a way to make money off the pandemic. Absolutely. Maybe that headline is a little pointed. No, it's not. But... We'll talk about what she's selling, and I'm not buying. And I'm not buying. Also, Florida women giving Florida men a run for their money. Absolutely. That's coming up on Heart Health Radio on the Heart Health Radio Network. This is Heart Health Radio with a an offer right here. You go ahead, call us up, Doctor Weefall, to take a take a swing at your uh, two your good, ideas. Two good calls. High blood pressure. Very and- good. Prostate and, and eyesight. And then we had a patient with the PVC. So, you know, yeah. don't be afraid. You sound great on the radio. And oh, yeah, we'll, yeah. We'll never make funny. I make fun of Dave when, yes. the, when the microphone's off. Yes, he so does. I make fun of you. He does a lot. Yeah. Telephone number 919-860-9783. Always call between noon and 2 on a Saturday. Because that's, you know, when we're here. One of Paltrow's got this website called Goop. Yeah. Did you, have, did you ever see Shakespeare in Love, 1999? I did. It was a wonderful she won performance. She Academy Award. Yes, yes. And I think she should have stuck to acting. But here's the problem. Yeah. There are so many people out there who are gullible. And they get on her website called Goop. Now, she makes a billion dollars a year <laughs> from Goop. Now, I don't know how Goop started. But this is a woman who claims that you put an exploding candle in your woo and that'll help your woo life. Okay. Uh, it started off with heated spheres in your woo and then she decided since they were so popular— Wait a minute. I have a question. Do I have a woo uh, No. It's a female— okay. All right. Uh, I just, strictly nope. a female thing. Enough so said. Yes. Now she has a company called Goop, Goop, and she makes a heck of a lot of money off of Goop. Now, she had COVID. She recovered, but now she claims— and I don't have any reason not to believe her, but she has long COVID. Now, what does long COVID mean? It means that you don't feel well for a long time. Okay. It's a real problem. If you've had bad lungs, you know, scarred lungs from the cytokine storms, you can have shortness of breath. Some of it can be permanent. You can have chronic fatigue. The bigger thing now is brain fog. Okay. So just imagine that somebody looks in your ear and sees a smoky <laughs> sensation, that's brain fog. Okay, you can't think straight. Yes. You know, you can't remember where you put your car keys, uh-huh. things like that. Well, she's got long COVID. And 
she went to a chiropractor, okay? I mean, chiropractors are good. Okay. But the chiropractor is talking about her diet. Now, she gets on and says, yes, he put me on a plant-based diet. Yeah. And now she, then she just went on to name that she's eating trout and she's eating, you know, meat and stuff like that. Okay. So I guess that plant-based means that the cow ate plants. Okay. So that's one thing to remember about her. She's yeah, not she, she's always. She's selling specific things. Yeah. She's not always there. Okay. So she hikes. She says, yeah, hiking is really good for you. Buy my $300 hiking shoes from Goop. Okay. Okay. Then the, hank, uh, the hiking tank top. Now, I would love to see her hiking in a tank top for $140. And you got to look good while you're hiking. No, you don't. So she sells a necklace. Guess how much the gold necklace, the hiking necklaces. Hundreds. $8,600. Now, her skin products, you know, an acid peel. Just one peel. I mean, it's not like you can use it at 125 bucks. Yeah. And it's just amazing. And then when, what she wants you to do is be proud of yourself and buy yourself a real bonus. And that's a goop sweatshirt for $225. So if you have long COVID, do not, do not do what Gwyneth does. We are in the wrong business. Norma in Raleigh, welcome to Heart Health Radio on the Heart Health Radio Network. Hi. Hi, Norma. Hello there. Yes, what's going on? How in the world are you? Good. (laughs) We're in the world good. Yeah, Thank no, you. The That's world is good. I'm so glad to hear that. Thank you both so much for this program. You're welcome. And um, I have a little issue. And sadly, the phone company let us down. Norma, are you still there? Nope. We didn't touch What's anything. What's going on with that? We didn't touch it's anything. It's the second time it's happened. It's the second time that we heard I a click. I hope Norma yes. calls back. I, I know she will. It's just cutting us off, huh? Did, yeah. you, did did WPTF pay their bill? We did. Okay. We did. All right. All right. Telephone number, by the way, Norma, 919-860-9783. There was another story in the shame segment, Florida women. Well, I don't know whether to shame them shame or to them. shout them out. Shame them in about well, 10 seconds. Think about, think about how how uh, ingenious this was. They wanted to get the vaccine. Yes. They're young. Yeah. So what they do? They know. dressed up as grannies. And they got away with it the first time. They got the first (laughs) shot. And when they went back to get their second, as they say in England, jab, my second jab, they got caught. Yes, they You know, that's ingenuity. That's terrible. Yeah. To me, that's terrible, but that's all right. I've got got family members I wasn't there, but it's pretty inventive. We're back in just a moment on Heart Health Radio. Now back to heart health. Have a question for Dr. Weefald? Call 919-860-9783. And later on in this show, I'm going to call from the other room and talk to Dr. Weefald. Okay. We discussed something last week. We're going to pick up on that uh, this week. And also, Russia thinks this would be an excellent time to thaw out some 50 million year old diseases. 500. Okay, 500 million year old diseases and the phone's ringing off the hook and we're glad that it is norma in raleigh welcome to heart health radio welcome back yeah Thank how are you i had a phone malfunction have you ever had that i have yes so that was you not us huh yeah it was her oh, wasn't well. us <laughs> we're the radio station we don't have phone malfunctions <laughs> how you doing norma what's up i know that's the truth what's cooking okay here's the deal um i went to my 
uh, internal doctor. Yes. Internal medicine specialist. Yes, sir. And um, he has advised me that I need to go on cholesterol medicine. Okay. And he said Lipitor. Okay. Um, I have looked on some information about Lipitor. Ooh, bad. And the side effects. Uh-huh. And it has scared the bejeepers out of me. Let me tell you about this. This I'm really glad you called me. In 1980, when I started in this business, there were so many heart attack deaths. It was, I mean, I would, at nighttime, when I did the overnight in the accident room, that's what they called it at Johns Hopkins. Not emergency emergency room. room? I would probably see four or five heart attacks a day. Wow. And that doesn't happen anymore. I mean, they're still there and they still cause, you know, the number one cause of death. And it gradually went away. Now, I remember... 1991, okay, in 1992, okay, because a miracle medicine came out, and it was called pravastatin, Mm -hmm. and then two years later, a miracle medicine came out, and it was called Lipitor. The first one was Pravacol. Now, Lipitor, you know what we started calling it? Hmm. Gorilla statin. Yeah. Because it lowered the cholesterol better than pravastatin in a much more strong way. Yeah. Okay. And then we developed Crestor and some other ones. Guess what happened to heart attack death rates since I started? I'm They've assuming gone they're down. way down. Yeah. So these are miracle medicines. Now, let's talk about side effects because the People's Pharmacy, I mean, I stopped listening to them because they said you shouldn't take Lipitor because it'll kill you. All right. Now. What can happen? Very rarely, you can get muscle aches. And I can tell you, muscle aches are very common with when I have patients on the statins, they're called. Why? Because they think they're going to get them. Now, I can prove that. Mm-hmm. Now, the real, the, the person who really gets uh, the muscle aches, pretty rare. Now, what is the thing that scares everybody? It's called rhabdomyolysis. What's that? It's when your muscles break down. And that is something that can happen with the statin. The other thing that can happen is your liver can go bad. Now, what's the incidence of that? Probably one in 100,000, okay? Yeah. So, but what happens? The FDA says you got to put that on the label. You got to put that in the patient information. Well, a bunch of us believed that the side effects of muscle aches and joint aches was psychosomatic. I mean, so many people said they had it, it's because they thought they were going to have it. Well, of course, there was a group of people and a lot of lay people who said that it's horrible for you to think that. Well, what they did to prove it is they got a bunch of people together, and I don't know how the ethics committee allowed this, Right. but they gave people a placebo, a sugar pill, Yeah. told them it was a statin. Yeah. They gave people a statin and told him it was a placebo, okay? The people who took the placebo got muscle aches, and the people who took the statin didn't. Yes. Okay? So I'm going to tell you this. If your doctor, I can, I'm actually now allowed to say this because her doctor recommended it. Yes. Take it. If your doctor recommended it, take it. Now, if you develop muscle aches, do not worry. You can stop the medicine, and it will go away. If you develop a liver irritation, you can stop the medicine and it will go away. It sounds like your doctor is a good one, internal medicine specialist. It behooves him, and he will do blood tests on you periodically, Uh number one, to see that it's working, 
that it's bringing your cholesterol level down, and number two, to make sure your liver and your muscles are hunky-dory. Now, there are some people who really need a satin and who have muscle aches. There is help for them. It's called CoQ10. And CoQ10 is some kind of, I'm going to be honest, I don't know how it works. It's some sort of coenzyme. It helps the enzymes or proteins in your muscles work. So there are a large number of people who can take 100 milligrams of this supplement CoQ10 twice a day and not have muscle aches from statins. So now that your doctor's recommended, I'm going to tell you that you should follow your doctor's advice. He or she will bring you back to the office, interview you, and take your blood and make sure you're okay. But one of the things that has been proven, if you think you're going to get muscle aches, you're going to get muscle aches. They gave people a placebo, told them it was a statin. They got muscle aches. They gave people a statin, told them it was a placebo. They did not. And Norma, I the only thing I'm going to add is the non-medical guy. Yeah. Uh, I got cholesterol, and the cholesterol is built up. And let me just tell you that I'm facing some more serious things than just a muscle ache. Yeah. Okay. And, and it's really, these are, I, I think, the guy who invented these, or no, I'm sorry, the guy who discovered how to lower cholesterol in this manner. Yeah. Um, these two guys, at the University of Texas Southwestern, and- my oldsterness, I can't remember their names, uh, they get the Nobel Prize. And yeah. justly so. These are life-saving medicines. And I recommend you do it. Thank you, Maggie. Or <laughs> thank you, Norma. Maggie, welcome to Heart Health Radio. How you doing today? Great. How are you? Good. What's up? Oh, well, thank you so much for taking my call. Sure. Um, this is not cardiac-related. That's I okay. I've been a, a cardiac nurse for many years. I have a funny story that I could tell you. I'd love to hear it. Time. But um, my question is ophthalmological. Um, I moved to North Carolina from New Jersey two years ago and established uh, care with uh, an eye doctor here. And um, due to have an appointment for re-exam uh, for, uh, you know, refraction. And um, the, last, the first time I went to his office, for the very first time, I'm in my 60s ever, um, just to give you an idea of uh, how long I've been going to the eye doctor. I've had glasses since I was 10. Yeah. Uh, but for the first time ever, they dilated my uh, pupils before they refracted my eyes. And uh, usually, I've had my eyes uh, refracted first before right. they dilated. And I questioned him about it and said that, they're finding that by relaxing the pupillary response, um, that they can refract uh, the eyes better and to do better prescriptions for your eye glasses. Okay, you so they're all right. So the essential question is: there should they dilate your pupils first before yeah. refracting? I'm right. repeating this and not knowing what any of that means. Or should they refract first and, and then? Right. Then dilate. Because Doctor? once they dilate your pupils, it's hard to see. You know, it's, uh, it I, is I, hard to see. Ha- yeah, I've yeah. had that, ha- had that yeah. happen. It makes you very light sensitive. That never happened right. to me. Right. I mean, I've had my eyes checked out. Um, and they don't really recommend that you do that. I mean, there's an ophthalmologist calling. The reason is refraction. When your pupils are dilated, uh, the pupils, believe it or not, have a, a, a part of your vision 
uh, in terms of uh, focusing. Right. And uh, the focus has to do with the lens and how much light gets in and where it hits and the shape of your lens. But the pupil, that thing contracts and opens to let more light in. Um, It doesn't make a huge bit of difference for everybody, but uh, I always get mine dilated after I'm refracted. So yeah, I think so. Yeah, is that the that's the first time they ever did that, right? Yeah, and yeah. Uh, this is a new doctor to me, and I've had I had a macular hole that had to be repaired in the past before we moved here. I also had uh, a marginal branch of a retinal artery uh, occlusion uh, that they worked me up for to make sure my heart was okay, and it was. Thank God. Um, but uh, I don't have atrial fib, you know, which they were concerned about. Um, but uh, I was just wondering if you've heard anything um, newer in the realm of ophthalmology where he explained that uh, muscles relax yeah. and they get a better idea of what type of refraction you need. Yeah, it's called, so, I just looked this up, it's called cycloplegic refraction. And apparently he was looking for a type of um, focus error that is pretty rare. And so maybe um, maybe he thought you might have that, um, but we'll see. Maggie, thank you for the phone call. Sue in Holly Springs, you are on Heart Health Radio. Hi. Hi, Hi, there. S- um, hi Sue, what's I was up? I wondering, um, this is back to the question of CBCs. Yeah. Thyroid medicines such as levothyroxine uh, yeah. have an impact. On, sure um, do, both CBD. low and high. Um, so levothyroxine is a synthetic thyroid. Back in the day, people used to take armor thyroid, and some still do. That's made out of neck meat, okay? It's, yeah. Yeah. They take a thyroid, and I can't remember if it's a chicken, maybe it's a pig, and they grind it up and give it to you. Why? Because the thyroid hormone is in there. Levothyroxine is a chemical, the chemically active part of the thyroid gland. And if it's too low, you don't have enough energy. The thyroid is kind of like your metabolic activator. And when you don't have enough energy, your body tries to give you more, and it secretes adrenaline, okay? If you can't have Mm -hmm. thyroid, well, then we're going to keep you awake with adrenaline. Now, they both stimulate. So let's talk about too much levothyroxine supplement for people with low high thyroid. It will stimulate your heart. It will try to make your heart mm-hmm. act stronger. That's mm-hmm. going to give you more PVCs. So one of the first things you do if somebody is on thyroid medication and they complain of palpitations. So I had atrial fib and I have PVCs. I'm a heart patient just like you. Um, oh, nobody's a heart patient just they like drew me. My, they drew my blood <laughs> to see if my natural thyroid was overactive. When you have PVCs and you're on thyroid medication, make sure that your doctor says or does check your thyroid level. And not just, there's three thyroid level. Yeah. There's a TSH, which when your thyroid is low is high in number. When your thyroid is high, it's low in number because it stimulates the production of thyroid. It comes from your brain. Yeah. So if your TSH is high, it means you don't have enough thyroid because your brain is trying to stimulate the thyroid and vice versa. But there's also T4 and T3. You can be T3 too high or T4 too high, and they can adjust it. 
So you are absolutely right that the thyroid impacts the PVCs, but in a weird way. Too low a thyroid, your adrenaline is high, PVCs. Too high a thyroid, the thyroid stimulates the heart, yeah. PVCs. So it's, it's both low and high. What do you think, Sue? Um, well, I was wondering because um, I was on 100, they increased it to 112, and I noticed the increase in the PVCs. Right. I had very few of them. Yeah, but and, um, all of a sudden it's... Yeah, and that may go away, but that gives us the next situation is that you may have PVCs, and when your thyroid is slightly low, yeah, they aren't activated either by adrenaline or by thyroid. They're sort of like just right. And then right. if they try to correct your thyroid, quote unquote, to a normal level, it overstimulates the heart. Let me ask you the most important question. When you were on 100, did you feel good? Um, yeah, I think the only reason that they changed it was because, uh, and I'm not sure which um, test or, you know, which result was yeah. low, but um, the, they thought it was a little bit too low. And do you feel I, better now? Let's, let's take away the extra heartbeats, yeah. the palpitations. Do you have more energy? Are you thinking better? Are you uh, losing weight? I think it's about the same. Well, here's what I would do if mm-hmm. I had a patient like you, who I assume you don't have a heart problem, right? Right. Um, if I had a patient come in who had a slightly elevated you know, levels in the bloodstream to in, or a slightly off thyroid test, let's say that. And right. The indication right. would be to, yeah, let's get it a little better. And they started getting PVCs. You know what I would do? What? Go back to the other dose. Yeah, go back. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what I've been thinking needs to happen because if yeah. it's not that great a difference, then what's the, you know, if it isn't broke, don't fix it. Right. And so, but, but here's, here's the, the radio um, warning. Yes. Don't do it unless your doctor tells you, okay? Right. Right. As but we always a, say. That's a great question. Sue, on Heart Health Radio, always talk to your doctor before you change right. your medicine or the radio station. And that's why I say hypothetically, because right. I'm not right. diagnosing you or treating you. I'm giving you advice based on right. um, what I have, you know, knowledge of. And so, but it, it might be um, that your doctor would agree, but let's see what he or she says. Right. We've got Rose Hoban from North Carolina Health News. Rose, originally we were going to meet like 20 minutes ago, but we somehow we mixed messages and we, uh, we're together now. Right, Rose? Yes, indeed. Hi, hey, how are you? apologize how are you? for making you wait. I'm Jeez. so sorry. I was, I was enjoying listening to you. Well, good, good for you. Good for you. Thank you. We are, too. Listen, Rose, what's going on? Are our numbers still falling at a, at a serious pace for COVID? They are still falling. But, you know, I was thinking about it, like, you know, how much are they falling? Um, so they're definitely down. Way but down. You know what? Way what? down. But you know what? We're about at the numbers level that we were after the initial Thanksgiving surge. Right. We're not out of the woods yet, right? It's it's still a pretty high level. We've still got like 1,400 people in the hospital and um, about 400 plus people in the ICU. And I heard from one of my folks uh, who talks to me, who works at a large uh, academic medical center in the triangle that has dark blue coloration. <laughs> we'll 
Okay. And uh, she sent along some information and said that there are still people, um, that they're seeing people on the COVID floor who um, are still pretty sick um, and in the ICU, but that they are seeing some more milder cases now. But they're still seeing plenty of people. Yeah. Well, I tell you, did you see that? article, uh, and I'm blanking on the guy's name, from Johns Hopkins, who was saying that we probably are about to reach herd immunity. And the reason, he says, is that about five times as many people who got tested through the schnoz by PCR actually had silent cases. And the reason why they're saying that is they're now just doing a whole bunch of random people are looking for COVID antibodies, and they're seeing a ton. He estimates 170 million people are either vaccinated or had COVID. And that well, he thinks I'm not going to feel better until someone sticks something in my arm. Yeah. So he's saying April will reach herd immunity. Uh, what did yeah. Fauci say? November. But I think this is really, really interesting. I've had three people this week who were COVID antibody positive and never had symptoms. And these are people in their 60s and 70s. Um, Well, I think the thing that, um, you know, the the truth is always somewhere in between, right? And uh, the, the thing that I'm also hearing is that there's a lot of concern about these variants and what they might do. Um, the, you may have heard of Michael Osterholm, who's at the University of Minnesota. He runs for Center for Infectious Disease Research and Policy, and he's very concerned about the variants. So there's, you know, the bottom line is we're, we're not out of the woods yet, you know? I, yeah, but I'm going to tell you something. The Pfizer appears to cover the variant, um, not 94%, but about 70%. And remember, what did Fauci say? If we had 60%, we'd be okay. So I'm optimistic. Of course, I was wrong last year. I'm optimistic, too. I'm I'm optimistic. But, you know, I'm always cautiously optimistic. I think one of the things that, and speaking of cautiously optimistic, like effectiveness, I did some reading and I wrote about it in our newsletter this week, that when they say that, you know, the Pfizer or Moderna are 95% effective, that means that they were 95% effective at preventing every, like even mild cases of the disease. Right. And in the 70,000 people studied in those two study groups with Pfizer and Moderna, they had, they had a handful of hospitalizations and no deaths. Right. And if you take a sample population of North Carolina, like that's 70,000, and this is really rough rough statistics, right? But if you took 70,000 random people in North Carolina, you would have had something like 5,500 cases and a couple hundred hospitalizations or more than a couple hundred hospitalizations and 70 deaths. Yeah, so it works. It works. It, yeah. They definitely work. It's so like the I'm, flu. I'm like really excited. Yeah, the flu to, vaccine. To get my shot. You may still get it, but you're not going to get it as bad. All right, I got to break this exactly. break this party up. Rose, thank you. Everybody, go to NorthCarolinaHealthNews.org for information about this topic, and they they deal with a lot of things that are healthcare policy related on that website. Get better, stay healthy, and spot medical misinformation just by listening to this show every single weekend. Heart Health Radio on the Heart Health Radio Network. What?
We just got to shout out Michael. We got to shout out. Look, I like the name Michael. Michael Jordan. But I much prefer the name Dave. Yeah. We're going to shout out one of my favorite people. Yeah, we've been doing this for almost two years, maybe yeah. even over two years. Yeah. And we've talked about Dave, and we've talked about his history of coronary disease, his diabetes, et cetera. Yeah. <clears throat> well, you all know that Dave started getting fatigued, short of breath, couldn't walk up the stairs. He's had previous stents, went to see his uh, internal medicine specialist, went to see his cardiologist, had his heart catheterization. He's going to have bypass surgery. Now, why oh, no. is that? Not just bypass surgery, quadruple. Well, let me, let me tell you. Okay, one or two bypasses. When they talk about quadruple, it's not like they open your chest and close it four times. They do it all at the same time. Thank now, goodness. I've, I've yes. looked at your cath report. They, yeah. they went through your wrist, which is good. Um, little tiny catheters through a needle, through a, um, an opening in the artery. They thread it up under x-ray guidance. They find where the arteries come off your big pipe called the aorta, uh-huh. and they squirt in a clear liquid. Everybody thinks a dye. Someone who told me once, I knew they gave me dye because my urine turned blue the next day. It's not. It's not. It's a clear liquid that when you shine an x-ray through it, it absorbs the x-ray so that you can see the outline of the artery. It's a shadow. Mm-hmm. So you had a 90% blockage in the front artery. <laughs> you had an 80% blockage in the left artery. <laughs> But here's the kicker. Yeah. You had a total blockage in the right artery. It was 100, no doubt, percent blockage. Yeah, but you say was. I do have it. I'm yeah, carrying but, that around. They didn't fix it. But yeah. there's one great thing. What's that? You didn't suffer any heart damage. No, I didn't. And why could you not suffer heart damage with a 100% blockage? You grew a new artery. So you're having four-vessel bypass surgery. Yeah. But you've already bypassed yourself. Have I really? Yeah, it's called a collateral formation. Now, there's a controversy whether we have already connections between the left artery and the right artery. They uh-huh. just don't show up until you block one artery. The other, see, what, ha- what they yeah. saw was when they injected your left artery, yeah. your right artery showed up at the end because uh-huh. the left artery grew channels over to your right artery and filled it. Uh-huh. It just doesn't fill it enough. You know, yeah. it's like partial blood flow. Right. So what they're going to do is pop an artery from your chest wall yes. called the left internal mammary. Yes. They're going to take that down and sew it to your left anterior descending, which has an 80, 90% blockage, and then resupply the flow. Then they're going to take some veins from your legs Tie them to your artery, sew them to your artery, and then your aorta, and then sew them beyond the blockages in your other one. And I'll be good. This is Heart Health Radio. Welcome to Heart Health Radio with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefall. Heart Health Radio. Heart Health Radio. Oh, oh. Heart Health Radio is meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action, talk to your doctor. This is the Heart Health Radio Network on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. I'm not used to that 98.5 business. 
It's a, I was always an AM guy, all news Frank. You can continue to listen on AM. My That's kids would the go, way it works. My kids would go nuts. Yeah. We would be driving from Indiana to Boston. Yeah. And I'd play, and I'd be searching through the AM until I heard people talking. It's still a special thing to me that you can yeah. pull voices off the air. Yeah. Right? WABC. You can hear I people. would listen in Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. at 11 o'clock at night. Very cool. Well, well, listen, and and people do around the the country listen to this station, especially at night. Yeah. Um, listen, we we were in the middle of a discussion about last hour. I am Dave's heart. Yeah. We talked about your blockages. Yes. And we talked about you've bypassed yourself, so you grew a collateral. I did. Which is a helper artery. Yeah. Going to from the left side to the right side. That's why when you blocked off that right artery, a hundred percent. Right. You didn't have a heart attack. Yes. And we're going to bypass all four blockages. Well, there there's one blockage that blocks two arteries. That's on the left side. So you're yeah. going to fix both of them. Those are going to be veins. Now, let me go over how they're going to do this. First, you're going to be lying in bed. Yes. And they're going to give you something nice and relaxing. <whistles> yep. Then they're going to bring you into the operating room. And it's going to take a while, okay? It's... They're going to shut up. They're going to they're going to have to put a tube in your neck. <laughs> yes, okay? That goes into your heart. Oh, oh, oh. They're going to have to put tubes in your wrist. Yes. Okay, you'll be like in la la land when this goes on. <laughs> this is then terrible. the anesthesiologist is going to come along. He's yeah. going to have a mask on your face. No, no, no. No, no, no. You put and it in he, the wrong. They're not getting me in that room without the anesthesiologist well, doing serious work on me beforehand. Okay. And then they're going to put you to sleep. <laughs> Okay, and they're going to use two medicines. One is called fentanyl, and the other is called Versat. And Uh the reason is they put you down, 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 down. They turn your brain off. But also, they're very good anesthetics for when you're going to have this surgery. They don't really affect your blood pressure too much, Uh and they help the whole body relax too. Uh They want to relax body while they're working on you. (laughs) So they're going to paint you up. They're going to use this stuff to sterilize your skin. And by the way, do you have a hairy chest? I do, thank you, you will for not asking. for a while after, really? after this. Yeah, they cut oh. all your hair off because they don't want the hair sticking in the wound. The ah. hair is not sterilizable. <laughs> okay, then they're going to open up the area above your sternum, the skin, and they're going to yeah. get out this saw. No, no, no. Now, no. while they're doing the saw business in some time, you're going to have some assistants who are going to be going after your legs. And they're going to find what they call the saphenous veins. Yeah. Right? And yeah. these are veins that can be turned around, cut the valves uh-huh. out so blood can flow in the right way. And they're going to have them ready. Okay. Then once the heart is open, they're going to get ready to take all the blood out of your aorta. Yes. Run it through a machine uh-huh. and then run it back into your big vein on the left side. And what this is like a symphony. This is like a ballet choreographed. And what they're going to do is they used to take a big thing of ice, okay, saline ice, and pour it on your heart. No way. And it would stop your heart. Now, the reason why they don't do the ice thing as much anymore is because it used to damage the diaphragm. Yeah. And you would freeze the the nerve to the diaphragm, and you would have a paralyzed eye. You can't breathe as good. Then they're going to clamp off your aorta so Uh the blood doesn't flow out of the heart anymore. Yes. And then they're going to go to work. And they're going to do these bypasses, take down the mammary artery on the inside of your chest. Yes. Sew it in the front artery. Uh-huh. 
Then they're going to take and punch little holes in your aorta. So one end of the vein graft onto that hole and then sew that to the artery beyond where the blockages are. They're going to do that three times and they're going to do the internal mammary once. Then, then, yes, they're going to slowly release the blood, start the heart back up, yeah, and make sure the air yeah. is out of the oh, system. You, get you don't the want air, air going to your body. Oh, yeah, no, no. And then once the heart's you know, going, another choreograph, they take off the clamps. Take off the bypass. Yes, um, you know the, the heart, the bypass machine conduits. Yeah, sew those up, and then your heart's going again. Okay. And then once they know it's going again and there's no bleeding, they take these wires and they <sighs> put your rib and sternum back together. Thank you. No, I'm going to tell you. And okay. then they sew your skin up. Okay. And then they take you out to the intensive care unit. They have that tube in your neck that's in the heart that monitors yep. how well your heart's functioning. They yep. can, it's called rocket fuel, okay? They give you stuff to make the heart get strong again. They yeah. give you stuff to relax your arteries. Now, I've had some people, two hours, three hours after surgery, they're fully awake. Yes. Their heart's fine. Uh-huh. They get the tube out of their throat. And I've had them go up to the regular floor that night, okay? But I suspect you're going to have some sugar problems because the stress on your body they're going to have to give you intravenous insulin, correct your sugars, yeah. all that stuff. But I got a good feeling about this. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I got, I a, got great a good feeling. Because you're going to – can I tell who your surgeon is going to be? Well, you're going to we meet with Dr. Bolton. Right. <clears throat> Dr. Brian Bolton. Right. He's going to use his magic fingers on you. And I'm not talking about cheap hotel fingers, okay? I, I'm just the saying. magic finger. I've seen him operate. Yeah. He's got, yeah. Good, he's got good small hand. You know what, surgeon – you yeah. want small hands. Small hands, yeah. Because you, you fit them in there easier. Yeah. yeah. Are you freaked out? Yes. For There's two thoughts I've got going on right now. Number one, who asked you? Uh, I don't care. i got to tell you. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's giving me all this detail. People got to remember that I am not strong in this area. Well, you got to get you tough. When pe- I, I got a family member broke a bone. Okay, freaked? It, I'm underneath the couch saying, don't tell me about it. Don't talk to me about it. Right, I'm I just got one you. piece of advice that's What's the that? most important what piece is it? of advice. What? After they put you under. Yes. And you see a white light. Yes. Don't go into the light. Don't go into the light. Remember that? Okay. I won't go into the light. Did you see I that just, movie? Poltergeist? Listen, we can, uh, yeah, we and can, that, little, that little fat lady in the corner <laughs> going, don't go into the light. There's one thing. I just want to put a cap on this. We went through what they call, I don't know, they've got a fancy name for it, but I can look at my chart and I can look at, and I shared with the doctor here, all the the procedures and the results of it. There's a section called indications and I'm reading it and you have to trust me on this. David Glenn Alexander is a delightful 57-year-old male with a history of diabetes, hypertension, and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. They have to say delightful. I'm delightful. Yeah. You know what I used to say? What? This fine patient, (laughs) F-I-N-E. And you know why they say that? No. Because you're going to read it. Okay? Okay. All right. And so what if they'd said uh, this irritating... Uh, half wit, yes. who thinks that Numbskull. he's smart, Numbskull. but is really not because he didn't follow his diet for a while, <laughs> is going to get me to right. stick tubes in him to right. save his life. When it would have been easier 
to just eat right and exercise. Now I'm gonna this this leads me to the next the sec it's called a segue. Segue. Yeah, go ahead. It's not your fault. Okay, I eat worse than you. Yeah. I have all my life. Yeah. And and don't do this at home, folks, but uh-huh. I still smoke five cigarettes a day. Um, <sighs> and I don't have, I had a little blockage and it went away when my cholesterol went down. Yeah. I just got blood tests and my A1C, which is a measure of your sugar long term, yeah. was normal. After I got, I got my blood test after a 100 calorie eight ounce bottle of Coca-Cola about a half an hour after my sugar was 86. Okay. Um, nobody in my family's had heart disease. I've never asked you, did anybody in your family have heart trouble? Everybody. Yeah. So let's talk about what we're not allowed to talk about. Yeah, go ahead. After the Nazis did this, you know, thing with, you know, the super race and genetic, you know, the genetic superiority. Yeah. Uh, we weren't allowed to talk about genetic differences. We're all different. Okay. Yeah. And so, is it your fault that you're gonna have? We used to call it. Well, we still call it your chest cracked. Right. It's not your fault. Um, you have lived a life that most of us live without a problem. I've eaten the American diet. Yeah. Casseroles and, and potatoes. I eat worse. I eat. I eat worse than you. De- definitely, I eat worse than you. And um, I don't have it. I don't have what you have. Yeah. I don't have the sugar. I don't have the coronary artery blockages. And so if you're out there and you have bought into, which most people have, the concept that it's your fault if you're sick. I mean, why didn't you run? Why didn't you eat kale? Uh, Why didn't you not smoke? Why didn't you blah, 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 blah? Well, I'm going to tell you this. If you really want to blame yourself, ask yourself, why did you pick the wrong parents? Okay. Yeah, yeah. And so stop beating yourself up. Now, if you have a family history mm-hmm. of heart disease, does that mean you're definitely going to get it? No, it means you're much higher risk. So are there things you can do? Yes. And what was the name of the woman who called in about Lipitor? Um, might have been Sue. Take. No, Norma. What Norma is Norma. up against. Take your yeah. Lipitor. Take your, Take your aspirin. Yeah. Keep your um, sugar under control. Walk 30 minutes four times a week. Uh-huh. Don't pig out and do the no-no diet. No white bread, no biscuits, no buns, no pasta. No fun. No sugar. Absolutely Don't no fun at all. Don't eat the inside of a white potato. No. And stay away from white rice. And my mother would have said, shame on you, because we ate yeah. rice. She ate rice at every meal. She's Chinese. But what I want to say in this no-no diet, okay, it should be, you know, stay away, stay away diet. Yeah. I mean, you got to live. Yes, I mean, I pizza's on that list, okay? Yeah. I mean, yeah. pizza's in my five food groups, okay? Right up there with meat. Right. And so when I say this, I mean cut back. I mean, cut back as much as you can. And, you know, but you got to live. And you got to enjoy yourself. I mean, this is one thing I say. You can cure yourself of this with diet. You uh-huh. can. There is one diet that cures it. And that is called, oh my gosh, I'm having a senior moment right now, um, uh, Ornish. Dean Ornish was this guy. And he developed a diet called the Ornish Diet. And he did it for 25 years on a group of people, and their coronary blockages went away. Now, I call it the dirt diet. Is that what it is? It's basically seaweed, 
uh, lots of kale. Yeah. Um, you know, things that, <laughs> you, you you know, uh, garbanzo beans, I think, are on there. Oh, good. Okay. So, um, the one thing that also worked is that they had support groups every day. <laughs> and I suspect they were sneaking in some Zoloft in there, too. Um, and so, you know, there are choices that we make in life. Yeah. And my choice is that I'm not going to do the dirt diet. I am going to live a good life. Yeah. I'm going to do the best I can. Um, and I'm not going to worry about it. And uh, Dave, uh, this is not your fault. And okay. it's not your parents' fault. All right. I mean, no, no, it's, no, no. It is a genetic predisposition that you can fight right. by living a different kind of life than you grew up with. I'm not going to eat or drink kale shakes. No, I, I'm okay. bringing them in. And I'm looking he, at this corner. He's got your Diet Pepsi. I've got my full-strength Mountain Dew. I'm bringing in a blender. Um, and we're going to put, you wouldn't believe what we're going to put in there. We're going to put in kale. We're going to put in seaweed. We're going to put in um, what kind of stuff? Goes I, don't in? I don't know. What? And you're going to drink. I'm going to put in dirt. Dirt. You're gonna drink it, and, and it won't make. And guess me, what? What? Even if you don't like it, yeah, you're gonna like it. Yeah, I am. I force you to. I tell you what, I it won't make me live longer, but it'll make seem make every day seem much longer. Yeah, it really will. <laughs> We're gonna pick up with Marie and Raleigh, who's been very patient over the last couple of minutes, and. A couple other folks who are waiting. Our number is 919-860-9783. The uh, shame segment coming up. uh, Somebody's reporting that young people are clogging their arteries. What, after a one year of sitting on a couch? That's coming up. It's just dumb. It's just dumb. And we're going to debunk it coming up on Heart Health Radio. This is Heart Health Radio, the Heart Health Radio Network. There's a headline saying that kids are sitting in front of the computers because they're doing Zoom classes and they're clogging up their arteries. Is that at all possible? Well, I, you know, I, this is something that I think is exaggerated maybe. Um, in World War II, we lost 400,000 people. No, 600,000. you believe that? We've almost lost as sure. many COVIDs as we did in World War II. I believe it. Anyway, so they did a lot of autopsies. And these young 19 mm-hmm. and 18-year-olds had what we call fatty streaks. Okay, mm-hmm. Not uh, true plaques or cholesterol buildup, but they had streaks of cholesterol and fat in their arteries. And they were like, oh, my God. Well, that's what they're finding now. And they're saying, oh, my God, like this is new. It's not new. Okay, um, We do that. We... We injure our arteries. They try to heal. I mean, we're our body is in constant battle. Yeah, we're, you're sitting on your rear end. Imagine all the 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 cells that are getting crushed and then die, and then re, you know you re, you rebuild it. And yes. so, you know, it's not new. Um, and you know, I think that remote learning is bad. Mm-hmm. They it seems to be a source of weight gain. Um, I've seen, you know, we have, I let my staff, instead of having to stay home because they're kids, I let, we have our little, in our back room, we have a little learning center. Yeah. Okay. Because my staff would have to sit at home with their young kids 
Instead, I cleared out a part of my office, set up the computer systems, and they're back there, you know, doing their um, their remote Good. learning. Good. And they're snacking. Yeah. Because what do you do when you sit around? I snack. Yeah. So, yes, we got to get them back to school. And this is such an important thing. I, I really think it is. But they didn't clog their arteries in a year. No. No. I, we can't tie it to remote learning. No. Not okay. clogging your arteries. All right. Marie. Marie and Raleigh, you are on Heart Health Radio. How you doing, Marie? I'm doing great. Thanks I'm for waiting, sweetie. And my doctor. Um, Dr. Weefall, I didn't know I went through all of that with my bypass surgery. Well, you know what? I didn't tell you that because I didn't think you'd show up at the hospital <laughs> if you knew that. Uh, Let me ask you a question. Let me I just telling Dave what he's going through. Oh, well, I just got a text from... My uh, wonderful transcriptionist, Pam, and she's more than a transcriptionist. Yeah. She it, assembles the medical record. She takes care of my medic. She's amazing. Yeah. And you know what the text was? Hmm. Stop, dot, dot, dot. Poor Dave. <laughs> <laughs> and, I had to call Dave because, Dave, you will go to sleep and you won't know anything. Yeah, and, but I told him and that. And wake right up. I told him that. I had my femur. I broke my femur and went through more problems with it than I did my uh, heart. You shouldn't have told. You shouldn't have told him about the broken femur. He's on the floor. I got the willies grimacing. He. I. I don't know. (laughs) I mean, it's just now. You went through more than that. What I talked with Dave. I mean, you had stents. You've had pacemaker. um, You've had some other surgeries. A broken femur too, Dave. Came in here today with a paper cut, <laughs> and he was crying. Was. He asked me if he was going to lose his finger because of the paper cut. And you know what I said? Yeah. It looks like a paper cut, <laughs> but I think we need to do some tests. Right. <laughs> I tell you, he's a man. He yeah. is the man. He's a man. I think women might can take things easier. Yeah. <laughs> Murray, anyway, bless you. Uh, I want to tell my story. I... um. Went to a doc, had a do- uh, doctor, and he did a stress test and handed me the sheet and told me to come home and walk. I came home and walked all, all right. I went all the way down to Smithfield to you. Yep. And it, you checked me over, and it was no time, 14 years ago. Wow. I think 13 or 14. I had bypass surgery. Yep. And if you have it in your family... Like I do, my dad died at 55, his two brothers in the 40s, and my brother had it, uh, he was 39 with his first massive heart attack, but he lived to be 81, had real good doctors and everything, and uh, there's five of us children, and four of us have had uh, bypasses, and uh, it is in your family. But listen, all that he told you, you just close your eyes. Amen. And go to sleep, and when you wake up, you'll be just fine. Now, let me. Can I tell another Marie story real quick? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so Marie came back after she, she, Marie had. She lives in Raleigh, and she's drive all the way to Smithfield. Yeah. So the first time she went back to Raleigh to see a doctor, she was having sweats. I mean, just sweat pouring off of her, mm-hmm. and no real chest pain. So she went to this guy. He did a heart cath on her, and said there was nothing wrong. So I did it. She came back because you weren't doing well. I did a stress test, and the whole left side of her heart wasn't getting enough blood flow. So I got those films, and there's something called the spider shot. 
Yeah. (laughs) And so I went and took her in myself, and I did a spider shot, which is a very funny uh, angle in the very tip of her left artery, the circumflex artery, had a 95% blockage, which unless you took the spider view, which makes the whole arteries look like a spider on the x-ray, you couldn't see it. So here's the bottom line, is that if you're not doing well, get a second opinion. Even though it was really the first opinion because it was me having taken care of her before. So anyway, Marie, I'm glad that you're doing well. Anybody here who's had an experience with open heart surgery, doesn't have to be bypass, call. Well, call in. I want to hear Dave. I want Dave to know that every day, it's a still, well, I don't know if it's still, it's the number one surgery performed in terms of volume yeah. in the United States of America. Yeah, that's good. I, I tell you what, too, if you, I don't mean to butt in, but I know it's probably time for the news. Uh, the, I had my first blockage um, 19 years ago. And look yeah. at you. No, let me count my age. <laughs> 19 years ago. And I was, on Saturday, I had just a tingling feeling up above my uh, left breast. And mm-hmm. I knew that I was, uh, my family all had heart disease. And I kept doing my work that night. Later on Saturday night, I um, before it got real dark, I told Bill, I said, maybe I need to go over there and get it checked out. Did you know that I had a 94% blockage, and I yeah. had Dr. Mann at that time, and yeah. he said, Marie, how long have you been hurting? I said, I haven't been hurting. Yeah. That just yeah. shows that, with especially the senior family, you better not take it lightly, that's all I know. Marie, thank you very much. I appreciate well, your Luke, words. You take, when are you having this surgery? Probably next week or the week after. Well, I wish you well and don't thank be you. afraid. Thank you. Close your eyes and All right. you'll wake up. Take care. Bye. And don't this look is, into the light. And this is Heart Health Radio. Welcome to Heart Health with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefall. Call us with your health questions at 919-860-9783. And that telephone number, 919-860-9783, Heart Health Radio on the Heart Health Radio Network and FM 98.5, AM 680, WPTF. Russia is thawing out some long-frozen beasts. Yeah, so, uh, and I said 50 million. That was, you know, that was an exaggeration. So what happened, okay? Uh, Talk about climate change. I mean, back 50,000 years ago, there was a mile-high ice shelf over New York City. It's called the Ice Age. Yeah. Mega fauna. Have you ever heard of that term? No. Huge animals. Yeah. Okay? Okay. So they had mastodons and uh, huge saber-toothed tigers. I mean, these animals were really mega, and they all died. Sure. And they would die. Like every animal does. All, and they all get, of heart disease, Right. By the way. Well, no. They all died in the permafrost. <laughs> okay. And when it's the permafrost, well, that's still frozen. It's way north in Siberia. Well, every now and then, you know, somebody digs one up. Yeah. And they've actually eaten the meat from some of these animals. I just thought that's really bad. But anyway, there were viruses way back then. Sure. Okay. So they're going to grow them. 
I mean, what a stupid thing. We have no immunity to these viruses. Right. We've never seen them. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, and so what do they do? I mean, as crazy as it was, why do we need to study viruses out of bats? Right. Why do we need to put them in the Wuhan uh, in, in Institute and try to make them more virulent? Uh-huh. And right. then some guy gets bit by the vat. He goes out and spreads it to the world. I think they are being insane in every sense of that word. Yeah. Because this could really be worse than anything we have ever seen. Now, it may not be, but why take the – what are we going to learn by growing 50,000-year-old mammoth viruses – we talked months ago about the fact that there's smallpox, vac- not vaccine, but virus, in some sort of vial somewhere. And I think they're, the Russians they're have saving some. it. Why? Right. They've got it. Got it. Saved. Well, they, they've gotten it saved with the theory that we need to have some of it just in case somebody gets it, and we need to do research to find a cure. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Well, there's. They think they've eradicated smallpox, but right. every now and then you see, oh, this guy got smallpox, lives in Botswana or something right. like that. Right. We don't need to be doing this. Yeah. Um, now, someone could argue, well, we need to study ancient viruses in case a different ancient virus gets out. Sure. Now, some of the um, environmental people are <laughs> saying this, that when the world melts, and the permafrost become you know the North Pole becomes a tropical destination, uh-huh. which is what they're saying. Sure. Al Gore said we weren't going to have any ice in the North Pole by the year two thousand. Yeah. Anyway, that these ancient viruses will get out and might as well study them. Russia, yeah. What can go wrong? Yeah, will go wrong. Right, and they're going to have these things in the in the uh, in the laboratories. Right. And some Ruski is going to have drank too much vodka, and he's going to mistake a vial of virus <laughs> for, for Storichnia. For, no, for grenadine. And he's, he's going to drink it. it. And he's going to go out and spread mammoth virus all over the world, and we're going to go through this crud again. Well, the good news is mm-hmm. it'll be far away in Russia. No, it won't. All the way on the other side of the uh, earth, and we won't be affected Do you know how far away it. Wuhan is? I, I do know. Yeah. Yes, I do. There is something in the news that says exercise does not boost health if you stay obese. Right. And so this is the thing that bothers me about the millennials. Mm-hmm. Okay, They think that their exercise is going to keep them from getting sick. Okay. So I live in a millennial and Gen Z um, neighborhood. Mm-hmm. It's great. They're jogging all the time. Yeah. And they're, you know, huffing and puffing. And the greatest thing is to go to the Harris Teeter in my um, building. Yeah. Because all the women are coming out of yoga. Yeah. And yeah. they're walking through in their yoga pants, and it's just awesome <laughs> because they're in such good health, right? <laughs> anyway, you're not going to do it okay. if you're heavy. You're Would not going to tell- help yourself. Why? Because obesity is linked to inflammation. Your body doesn't like all those fat cells, and you get inflammation, and the cytokines are running, and your immune system's in hyperdrive. You're not going to prevent health problems if you're heavy by running or by walking. you got to lose the weight. So my goal is to, A, lose weight, but 
you're not downplaying the benefit that I would get from some sort of physical activity. No, are what you? I'm saying is you can't eat the no-no diet. You can't be a yes-yes dieter and right. think that you're going to be okay because you exercise. I got a family member like that. He is yeah. a, he he will go. He is worn out uh, the conveyor belt. Right. The, the the whatever it is right. exercise machines he's worn them out yeah. bought new ones worn them yeah. out and yet he eats the american diet okay. full of paste how many calories in a big mac do you know a thousand yeah about 500 500 okay okay well, what that's do you not have bad. what kind of exercise is necessary to burn 500 calories no idea running six miles and i'm not talking about walking yeah, no. Going. I'm talking about running. So all those shows, The Biggest Loser, they emphasized killing themselves with exercise. Right. You really do have to kill yourself to lose calories with exercise because it it, it your Big Mac is six miles of running. So you got to lose the weight, and the best way to lose the weight. Should I write the book? The yes. No-No Diet. Yes. White flour. Why? Because all those particles of white flour are turned into single molecules of sugar. Mm-hmm. And in certain, most individuals, the bacteria that live in your gut break them down and the sugar molecule is stored as fat. Mm-hmm. Why? Because when you starve, the fat molecule is turned into an energy molecule called a ketone mm-hmm. that your brain can live on. Mm-hmm. Your body doesn't want you to starve. Feast and famine. That's the way it was for human beings for eons. And so you had to have fat stores in order to live when there was no food. So there are people who are terribly skinny. You know, they can't gain weight. Right. And they eat sugar and they eat white flour. They have a different set of bacteria and a different metabolic situation. They can't take sugar and store it as fat. So if you want to lose weight, you will not lose weight simply by exercising. You've got to cut back white flour products, white, I mean, sugar, brown sugar, white sugar. And, you know, everybody thinks that natural sugar is better. Natural sugar is sugar. Yeah. So a Coke and a glass of apple juice are just as bad for you. Right. Just as bad for you. Now, white potatoes. You want to eat a sweet potato? I'm fine with that because the sweetness is not sugar, sugar. It's mm-hmm. a different chemical. And then white rice. Chinese people eat a ton of white rice. So do Japanese people. It's not good. It, it is not a good thing. Um, meat, I have a mantra. Greens and meat are what you should eat. Yeah. Now, they say, well, I like chicken. And uh, I say, how do you make it? Well, I bake it. Well, they coat it in flour. It's, that's what the coating is. Yeah. That obviates or eliminates the benefits of eating the meat. Um, I, I don't know what else to tell people except it's not fat. Eating fat doesn't make you fat. It's the simple carbohydrates. So substitute. Eat whole grain bread. Whole grain rice. You get used to it after a while. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, whole grain spaghetti, uh-uh, forget about it. It's just, it's you know, wheat spaghetti is not going to help you. It still has a lot of the... Um, simple carbohydrates. Uh, sweet potatoes, yes. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the jury is out. I would say drinking your diet Pepsi, even though there are a lot of people who are against cyclamates, they're against saccharin, they're against all right. the things, I'm not. I'd okay. much rather you do that than have a regular Coke. Okay, yeah, now, I, I don't do this. 
I don't follow the no-no diet. I have cut back. But you don't need to. Oh, no. You can't no, see yeah, it. But, but no. This is bad. But here's the thing. Yeah. You don't have diabetes. So for you yeah. to eat some paste in your diet, I call it paste, the oh. starch, for you to eat pizza is not a big deal. Let me tell you one thing that was bad in my life, though. Um, when I first found out that I had the 25% or whatever blockage in my Widowmaker, right. I checked something called the C-reactive protein. Mm-hmm. Now, I recommend, while you're in the hospital, do me a favor, tell them yeah. to check your C-reactive. C-reactive. That is Got a it. measure of body inflammation, how jazzed up your immune system is attacking your body. Anything above, I think, three is too high. Mine was eight. So I hmm. was inflamed, brother. Yeah. Inflamed. Okay. So when I decided to fix my cholesterol level, I also decided to fix my inflammation. So I started taking pure fish oil, eicosapentoic acid, basipa. Mm-hmm. I take four grams a day. I started taking turmeric. Turmeric? Is it turmeric or turmeric? Uh, I have no idea. You I say don't potato, take it. I say turmeric. Anyway, I take turmeric. I yeah. take milk thistle, I take ginger, I take a baby aspirin once a day, and I walk 40 minutes with these dogs, these massive dogs. Yes. I actually do it a bunch because I have to walk them every morning and every evening. I just got my C-reactive protein remeasured. Okay. Less than one, undetectable. Yeah. Okay, so you can do it. Okay. And I take my um, uh, statin. Yeah. I take Crestor. That is an anti-inflammatory. In fact, when you, after a heart attack, when you start Lipitor or Crestor, the incidence of a repeat heart attack falls within three months. You can't do that by cholesterol. It's by inflammation. They're anti-inflammatory medication. So I've got my cholesterol to 11 from 178. That's the bad cholesterol. And I've got my C-reactive protein from 8 to less than 1. Yes. And so I am doing the things that the numbers say are helpful. But I had a pizza last night. Yeah. You know? I had, a kale, I had a kale sandwich yeah. <laughs> without any bread. Yeah. There oh, you go. God. This is Heart Spare Health me. Radio. You know you can call and Dr. Weefall will address your concerns rather than mine on the show. 919-860-9783. The pandemic has cut U.S. heart surgeries in half, yeah. 50%. Yeah, and that's not a good thing. Uh, if you listen to me about nine months ago, I was convinced that one of the reasons why heart attacks had gone down in the beginning of the pandemic was because we weren't interacting as much and changing mm-hmm. viruses, not just the, um, the coronavirus, and that we weren't inflaming as much and therefore we weren't having heart attacks. Well, okay. m- Turned out that one true, or at least it couldn't be proven, because there were so many people who had delayed their symptom, delayed getting looked at because they're right. afraid of going to their doctor or afraid yeah. of going to the emergency room. Right. So there's a 59 year old guy, Chris Daly. He started having chest discomfort, thought it was indigestion, and didn't go. And finally, he was full of fluid and in heart failure. He needs a heart transplant, and he had one blockage. If he had gone when he was having his heart attack, he'd be fine. Right. Well, what happened, since so many people didn't show up, we stopped doing surgeries and 50% reduction in what you're going to get, yeah. the bypass surgery. And that's not a good thing 
um, because so many people delayed getting seen. If you're having shortness of breath, if you're having fatigue, if you're having tightness in your chest, if you're not sure, go see your doctor. Right. There haven't been any cases of doctor's office to patient transmission, at least not yet. Wow. David in Durham, welcome to Heart Health Radio. How you doing, David? Hey, okay. Good. What's up? Uh, not much, but I'm, I get confused because, every, you know, I listen to different people that um, that have every kind of idea about eating. Um, yeah. Some years ago, there was a guy out there saying that a starch-centered diet was the way to go, and he pointed that, he pointed out that throughout Asia, where starches were the main part of people's diet, that, that obesity was almost unknown. Um, yeah, I, I know what I, you're saying. Sir? Yeah, I know what you're saying. Uh, this has been and, a controversy for and then centuries. I've known people who you know followed the Atkins diet, where fat was all they ate. Um, yeah. So, um, so I mean, how how do we know um, who to go with here? Um, right. Uh, I, and I'll hang up and listen. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, I'm glad you asked that. Okay, so China, uh, they eat rice. Yes. Japan, they eat rice. Um, have you ever had a dumpling? Ooh. Oh, yes. Yeah, okay, very so good. So that's a wheat-based covering. Sure. Um, yeah, they do. And now their sugar consumption is going up. Okay? Yeah. Uh, guess who now is the number one in heart attack deaths? I don't know. China. Really? Yeah, so they didn't used to be. Um, but I think the sugar has probably been a big part of it. Um, genetics is so important. You look at Britain versus France, mm-hmm. okay? Um, Britain has a very high incidence of heart disease. France is really quite low. Ooh la la. Yeah. So they think, is it resveratrol and red wine? Is it, uh, you know, they eat quite a bit of fat in their cheese. Uh-huh. But they have much lower heart attack incidences than Britain. Guess what they don't eat as much of? Rice. Sugar. Sugar? Yeah. Really? And so genetics and diet play a role, but it's very hard to tease out what is what. But let me tell you, we had an experiment in this country, Mm -hmm. okay? It's called the Sioux Indian Tribe. Yeah. Okay? So back when they were on the plains and they ruled the plains, what did they eat? They ate buffalo. Mm -hmm. And they exercised. And they did not have Pringles on the shelf. They had whole grains that they took off the prairie. Okay. They were healthy. Yeah. yeah. Now they they did they you know they had early death. Uh, they had a lower life expectancy because they were a warrior culture. You know right. they were constantly at war. They I never mean, had a heart attacks because they didn't live that. Well, long. that was part of it. Yeah. yeah. But now, unfortunately, we forced them to a reservation. We took away their land, um, and they have an American diet now pizza. Sure. They eat white bread. They eat um, cakes and candies. And they're not very uh, physically active. And their number one health problem is obesity, diabetes, Mm -hmm. and heart disease. So I think genetics is the number one issue. Um, I really do. Uh, If you look at the west of Scotland, if they moved over, those people moved over to my town, Smithfield. Yeah. And they have a very high incidence of heart disease. Now, you can say it's the smoking. You can say it's the diet. You can take a West of Scotland person and put them in a good diet region, and they still have high incidences of heart disease. Um, 
I, I think that the jury is still out as to whether I'm 100% right. Um, the jury is still out on whether saturated fat and polyunsaturated fat are really bad for you. But I think that if you look at what happens to people when they cut back on their sugar and they cut back on their white flour, <coughs> they do get healthier. The diabetes goes away. Their weight goes away. Um, they haven't done a long-term study yet on diet, uh, no-no diet, and heart disease. Right. Uh, but the short-term studies are spectacular. Mm-hmm. Uh, lower incidences of heart attack, lower incidence of um, the chronic cardiac problems. So um, I'm not going to backtrack. I'm not going to go to what the American Heart Association says. Um, I am going to stick with no-no. All right. We'll be back in just a moment. This is Heart Health Radio on the Heart Health Radio Network. Well, you know you make me want to kick my heels up and down. You can listen to this radio program on the radio as you've done, or you could go to Apple Podcasts to get a slightly longer version of the show, all compacted without a commercial break, on Apple Podcasts or at hearthealthradio.com. And who are we shouting out? Well, I am shouting out a group of unsung heroes, and those are the doctors in our country who can't get a job. They went to medical, they went to college, they went to medical school. And they went to a foreign medical school, or they went to a doctor of osteopathy medical school. Yeah. And artificial intelligence programs are screening out their applications to residencies and not even letting the residency directors see their names and their resumes because of prejudice against foreign medical schools and doctor of osteopathy schools. Now... These are doctors who are now becoming, in some states, called assistant physicians. Above a physician's assistant, they, they change <laughs> it back and forth, and they make about 50 grand a year, and, and they had, don't have a chance to get licensed because they, don't, they can't get a residency. Right. Now, we're looking at 150,000 medical doctor shortages mm-hmm. in the next um couple of years. And we years. need those people to go to residency. Yeah, come on. If they pass their tests, get them in a residency and let's train these individuals. They're unsung heroes. Bill in Raleigh, you're on Heart Health Radio. How you doing? Uh Doctor We Fall and Dave, I really look forward to your program every Saturday from Thank you. to two. I've got two shout outs for you. Yeah, go ahead. Um Two books that I really enjoyed reading and really informative is uh, The Citizen Patient by Dr. Norton Hadler. He's a physician from UNC right. Hospital in Chapel Hill. Right. And the other one is Deadliest Enemies by uh, Dr. Michael T. Osterholm. And uh, that is more contemporary. It deals with uh, the, the, the issues that we are having nowadays with the uh, covid Right. And, and other issues leading up to COVID, you know, going back a number of years. But uh, two things that I wanted to share with your listeners yes. that are serious about their health, uh, they ought to take a look at these, these two books. And uh, thank you for all you do. Thank, thank you, you, Bill. I'm going I'm to uh, look them up. All right. Um, thank you, Bill. I, I like 
books by doctors. But you have to take a grain of salt with some of them because when a doctor, for example, a diet doctor, writes a diet book, yeah, yeah, more than likely they are promoting a website or something like that for you to buy yep. and, and do things. Um, if I ever write a diet book, yeah. I'm not going to ask you to buy a product. I'm going to ask you not to eat you know, certain foods. Right. And I'm going to ask you to exercise. So if you see my diet book out there, do not worry that I'm going to ask you to buy the Weefy pill because yeah, it's not going to exist. Thank goodness. There's a there's an article we got to get to it this week. I've, okay. I've been putting it off. There is an article. Um, dogs can smell prostate cancer. Yeah, and 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 they want to make a robotic dog. They want to make a robotic yeah, so, dog. I think so, we should just keep it as the dogs. Right. And so honestly. here's the problem. Okay. I'm, because I've got a standard yeah. poodle in my house no, who tries to right diagnose me for prostate Why cancer. Why don't they just use dogs? Yes. Why turn it into a machine? The dog? I mean, they can... Dogs can diagnose all sorts of diseases. Right. They got COVID dogs. And you know how accurate they were? More accurate than the PCR test. I'm serious. Yeah, right. Why not just have a dog? Yes. You go by, they sniff. If they don't do anything, you're good. You can go to school. If they bite you... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> then you better not go to school. I mean, I, come on. Prostate cancer? You know yeah. what the best dog is um, for sensing something? <laughs> I'm serious. No, well, you, you're going to laugh. What is it? Epilepsy. They have really? trained dogs to sit there with, with people who have epilepsy yeah. and, and have quick seizures and can injure themselves, and they don't have um, the right the, – the medicines don't work on them. Right. The dog right. will bark. The dog will go over, the patient will know they're about to have a seizure, and they'll go lie on the floor and and not hurt themselves. So dogs are wonderful. Yeah. Why, why find out what the olfactory uh, thing is right. and create a machine to do it? I think we should breed these dogs and put them in doctor's offices. And you say, wait, 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 don't tell me your symptoms. Right. The dog walks in. <laughs> You've got a UTI. All right, there's a All right ju- take this. All get right. out of here. This is Heart Health Radio. Heart Health Radio is for information purposes only. Before taking any action, consult your doctor.